Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. Oh, it's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. <gasps> what? I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. <laughs> <laughs> I Bring think, some new energy to the intro. Yeah, when we come on microphone, we should have a perspective. Right. You know what I mean? Like, where were we? Where are we going? Right. What are we up to? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And anyway, I'm my whole thing is that I'm refreshed because I took an hour long nap at 9 a.m. So when did you wake up? Isn't that just falling back I, asleep? <laughs> when is it a nap and when I, is it waking up and falling back asleep? I woke up at 6.30, 6.45. I mean, this okay. is the weekend. I get to sleep in a little. Mm-hmm. So I woke up 6.30, 6.45. Right. You know, I got up, took a quick shower, had some breakfast, uh, drove a kid to an appointment, uh, called my wife and said, I'm sleepy. I'm coming back home to sleep. So I came home and went back to sleep. God, it was tremendous. It was gorgeous, Jordan. It's- I feel fantastic. I could beat Jesse Owens in a race right now, and not just because he's dead. <laughs> I could dig up Jesse Owens. I could, I could find where that asshole's buried. <laughs> dig yeah. up his corpse. I'm coming for you, Flojo. So this is <laughs> so this is great. You could you could potentially with this schedule, you could nap mm-hmm. eight more times today before you fall asleep. I would love that. You know, that's what Benjamin Franklin did. He napped eight times right. every day and electrocuted himself twice, mm-hmm. and that's how beca- how he became the greatest president we ever had. Didn't he? Didn't he also take like nude dirt baths? Isn't that like the Ben Franklin fact that people love? Yeah, I to... mean, it's either Benjamin Franklin or hamsters, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Chinchilla. One or the other. I can't remember if it's chinches. Yeah. Or Benjamin. Have you ever read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, Jordan? Our founding chinchilla. Yes. <laughs> Our greatest founding chinchilla. <laughs> the, famous, the famous chinch. Yeah. Uh, I took in college at our at our alma mater, the University of California at Santa Cruz. I took a class called American Autobiography. Fight on, <laughs> sweet slugs. Come on, Jesse, join me in the fight song that we both totally know. Fight on, on sweet slugs. Sweet slugs. Hurl discs, Disc, sweet, sweet slugs. slugs. <laughs> Hack sacks. Have a drum circle at an inconvenient hour. <laughs> um, there you go. That fight song that we both definitely know. In my American autobiography class, shout out to Professor Forrest Robinson, real cool mm-hmm. dude. Um, we read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. And I was read, look, as you know, Jordan, you're a book lover. I'm a book. Love him liker you know i like books but you jordan you'll you'll read you'll, you'll post on instagram oh, i read these novels i read these comics i read this book about learning things yeah. and i'm like and oh, i and you yeah, know definitely i want to just say if you want to fucking blow up the internet if you want to yeah. really get that engagement jacked mm-hmm. up your tight little ass <laughs> you really want that <laughs> You know what fucking does it? <laughs> Novel recommendations. Ooh, I just I'm yeah. bathe I'm bathing in engagement like Benjamin Franklin bathed in dust. Yeah. I'm just ooh the engagement. They're like, "What a nov oh, oh, tell me more." Guy whose podcast I've listened to a couple times. The book that I the book that I generally want to read 
is a book by, say, past guest Susan Orlean or Mary Roach, oh, yeah. Sarah Vowell, who was on the show recently. I want to read an amusing but smart and informative nonfiction book as a general rule. I'm not a great men guy. You know, I'm not like into biographies of legendary figures of the past or something. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't read a ton of fiction. I mostly would like to read that kind of fun, informative nonfiction as a rule. And I also don't like old books. Too old. They talked boring then. You gotta, you gotta you know blow I mean? dust off the cover before you open it. <laughs> exactly. You know about my allergies, Jordan. Yeah. I got to tell you, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin rules so hard. It is so fucking great because he was fucking insane. He kept a chart, Jordan, Mm -hmm. where he listed all the types of virtues. And then in his virtue notebook, each day at the end of the day, he would check off points for which virtues he had displayed that day. And then he he would tally how many virtue points he had, and chart it, graph it, put it in a uh, graph. And that, uh, he really loved turkeys. Like, this guy was the number one turkey guy out wow. there. And I'm not talking about he wasn't a turkey. This guy was the furthest thing from a turkey. That's not what I mean. He just loved fucking, and he didn't love fucking turkeys. I, I don't want to give people the don't, wrong please, idea. Don't defame, don't defame our first yeah. chinchilla president, Jesse. No. He he loved fucking French women that he met in Paris in baths, mm, but sure. he didn't love, he was not, anyway, the moral of the story is the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin from, you know, 1800 or whenever he wrote it uh, is a shockingly fun and readable book. <laughs> that's all. That's all I got on Benjamin Franklin. Cool. You, you really get caught by surprise. Not a lot of florid language, Thomas Jefferson style, just a lot of charts of virtues. Well, if my Instagram postings are any indication, this mm-hmm. podcast where we recommend books is going to blow up. It's going to be huge. Up. It's going to be Get monstrous. Ready. This is going to be um, fucking believable, Jordan. Listen, and if yep. people were blown away by these book recommendations, mm-hmm. you know what's seriously going to fuck their shit up? I don't know. what it, Today's guest. Holy shit. So you're talking about, I, I on the internet, there's three levels of cool. Base level of cool, that's going to be videos of dogs. Number two, if you really want to blow your shit up, it's going to be novel recommendations. But number one, the number one thing that's going to blow you up is demonstrating that you have the email address of an alternative rock celebrity. That's the top. That's the top of mm-hmm. the mountain. And Jordan, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing right now. This man, <laughs> a legend of rock and roll music. This man, a legend of charm. He's in a charming recording area right now. I think he's in some sort of mountain chateau. I couldn't tell you exactly. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a brand new record and tour out with his band, a little outfit called They Might Be Giants. The record, by the way, called book which is interesting jordan hey fun given our yeah i guess we're we're about to find out what book it is uh john flansberg is our guest john what what an honor to have you on the program happy halloween troublemakers how's it going (laughs) we meet again (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I've got some trouble in my plans. <laughs> I'll be slipping some razor blades into some, uh, what are those called? Tootsie Rolls. Apples. <laughs> Thank you. Coming in hot. <laughs> Hey, fellas. John, I, that's I'm that's actually something I kind of wanted to ask you. I mean, I think this episode will be released a little bit out of, after Halloween. We have oh. the day before Halloween. But Did, what what's a what's a John Flansburg Halloween? This this I th- I thought th- yeah I I blew the whole. This could be a bottle episode. This could be a perfect episode, and now I've ruined it. <laughs> um, yeah, you've dated it. Uh, what is you know in in the era of covid i think uh my typical halloween is uh nothing at all <laughs> <laughs> right. probably a good sure. policy honestly yeah i was actually yeah. uh, uh uh talking to my partner robin about what it, if we should just have at least one thing standing by uh and uh she was like let's just turn off the lights <laughs> so when you say one thing standing by like you know some kind of candy or it's like some kid comes to the door but it couldn't be just anything it would have to be a candy treat you said just have one thing like on you know hand. like some you know some kind of wrapped chocolate something that's you know yeah. proven to we be got a kid at the door give him a fucking toaster <laughs> yeah. right, right. Throw him a letter just opener right. <laughs> right right yeah, here's this uh, old Cusinart. Be careful with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Frozen, you want a Cusinart? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't stick your icy little fingies in there. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, <laughs> look out, Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Use that to make slaw. But I don't know. I mean, I've spent most of my life in New York City, where Halloween just kind of doesn't happen, or if it does, I think kids go to specific places. Where it's ha- like they go to an. I know some people go. Kids go to apartment buildings where like the, it's you get a lot of good stuff, but like they don't go free range trick or treating in New York City. So <laughs> wait, is that what you imagine? Do you imagine that on Halloween we set our children free to gather candy from across the land? That's what that's what I did when I was I, you know. I'm incredibly old, and and uh, uh, like things were very simple when I was a child. I mean, you're still pretty limber, John. Uh, it's, it's hard to find parts. <laughs> Got to get them shipped in from Japan. Yeah. Looking back on your childhood, do you have a Halloween costume that sticks out as like, oh, this is the year that I nailed it, or this is the year that I like was my true self? You know, I think I was so lazy about that stuff even then, you know, like the whole costume thing. I, I, I remember just wearing my dad's clothes a lot and trying to figure out how to backwards engineer that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad have any like, like, I mean, I've told the story many times on Jordan Jesse Go of the time in the boys club costume contest that I made a really, really beautiful costume and got beat by a guy who was wearing his dad's police clothes. Did your dad have, like, was your dad a a paramedic or something where you could wear cool stuff that he had? Or was it just too big for you? And that was the premise. It was just just too big. But he had everything. He had sort of leftover everything. He was, my dad was really thin when he was a young man. And and they just didn't throw any of that stuff away. So he, he had like a spare tuxedo. He had a spare... Like a crazy overcoat that looked really extravagant, like a like a with a raccoon collar. Oh wow! Just, you know, it's like this <laughs> old fashioned stuff. 
I, I'm 120 years old, Jesse. Was your dad a college student in an Ivy League university in the 20s? He was a college student in the Ivy League school in the in the late 40s. Yeah. Wow. Which is probably not that different. <laughs> um, I saw a kind of an amazing Halloween-related thing um, yesterday. So, uh, so yesterday was Friday. So, like, the elementary school near my house, like, the parents were all walking the kids, you know, to school. And the kids were all, like, wearing their costumes. And oh, sweet. I, I saw something amazing. I saw a, a parent holding the hand of, of one kid. This is important. It is one kid. And the one kid was dressed, their costume was Luigi. Nice. <laughs> Seeing a Luigi without a Mario is so jarring. That's my fucking guy, Luigi. That's my fucking guy. It's like just seeing a Garth. Like if you just saw a <laughs> Garth walking around without a Wayne, it threw me off. It made me it made me it was a kind of a glitch in the matrix feeling for me. What are you for Halloween this year? Ricky Ricardo? <laughs> yeah, it like anyway, but I like I like respect a kid who's like, you know, I'm I'm more of a Luigi, you know, even at eight, I realized that I'm, I'm the Luigi. I think my Halloween respect as a kid and adolescent, and even now I think as an adult, is to a kid who, who has a good setup and just locks it in. And you're like, you're a, you're in your dad's police uniform again this year. And they're like, yeah, it's fucking good. It wins the fucking contest. I got all those carnation instant breakfasts, didn't I? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a kid who doesn't need to reinvent the wheel every year. They got it set and they're just keeping it going. <laughs> John's just wearing his dad's old tuxedo for the third year in a row. Hell yeah. You got to hit record. You got to close with it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when, when it's there, you got to do it. You can throw some filigree on it, Jordan. I mean, you put the put a top hat on. You're the Monopoly guy. Yeah, yeah you, you know, get a little martini uh, in your bond. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a child martini. <laughs> yeah, just a, get a little kid's martini. A little child's. A teeny teeny. A little gin in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jesse, what are your what are your kids doing for Halloween? What are they dressed as? Are they? Is there a you know safe, well, reasonable trick or treat thing cops. that they can do? He, yeah, we're going to they're they're actually over at the Los Angeles Arboretum right now doing a little trick or treating um with I guess the peacocks there. Mm-hmm. And um but uh, there's a you know it's very classic. It's a very classic setup. Um Gracie, my oldest is Freddy Krueger. Okay. Uh, she's really come she's really come to love and admire Freddy Krueger. Um, <laughs> a real role model. <laughs> yeah. There's Benjamin Franklin and Freddy Krueger are the two they, he, Freddy Krueger, also kept a list of virtues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, um, she has been pitching me this sitcom she created uh, called uh, Frederick and Hockey Mask, mm-hmm. and it stars sort of, sort of young Sheldon esque versions of Jason and Freddy Krueger, and then they just go on different. You know, they have basic. It's basic sitcom setups. Um, like they'll like go to the mall and they, and they run into Pinhead or something. I mean, we, you, she could probably sell that to Paramount Plus now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so she's going to be Freddy Krueger, but we had to, we had to set rules as to where and when she could wear the claws. We're like, you can wear the hat and the sweater to school, but you can't wear the claws to school. It's too much. It's too much for the kitties. 
Okay. Yeah. There's kitties. There's kitties there at the school. What are the What are the claws made out of? Uh, claws. <laughs> you know, they're made out of. We, we glued knives together and. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> there's small claws made out of larger claws. I mean, it's just like ski gloves. Yeah. I mean, we. We didn't have the exact right gloves, so we, you know, but we found we found enough knives. We went down to the Goodwill and got some Gorilla Glue, <laughs> you know, put that together. They're made of plastic, John. Um, and okay. then uh, my asking. youngest, my, my middle child is going to be the Grim Reaper, Oscar. He's mm-hmm. the Grim Reaper. He got himself a, a cape and a scythe. Um, he's, they, had, they had a Little League game that was yeah. costumes optional. And... Uh, so it was either you wear your costume or just come as you are. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> the, he he decided to wear his cloak and he spent 15 minutes, I'm going to say, trying to figure out how to incorporate a scythe into a Little League game. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Dad, Dad, can, uh, I think I, can I bat with my scythe? I'm like, no, you have to use a bat, honey. You can't use your scythe. He's like, okay, okay. That would be my first instinct. I know. Then he goes and he comes back and he's like, can I use a scythe instead of a glove? I'm like, no, you can't use a scythe. You have to, you have to leave the scythe. There's no... Hmm. And he's like, they don't, the ball doesn't get hit to me that often. I'm like, right, but that's not... If it does... Right. You're holding a plastic scythe. You don't want to be encumbered by a scythe. Uh, and my youngest isn't my my youngest Frankie is a ninja, just likes ninjas, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's at the ninja age. You can't bring swords to the arboretum, though. That's the only thing. So, I had to leave the swords in the car. Yeah, it's good. Leave the sword in the car. You know about that, Jordan. You've been in that position. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same on the Sony lot. You can't bring swords into the Sony lot. You got to leave them in the car. Sure. Yeah. Um, John, you mentioned um, you mentioned earlier being. A New Yorker. Yes. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Southern California, and the first like inkling that I had that New York was cool is when I learned that they might be giants were from Brooklyn. <laughs> For me, it was when I saw Ed Koch on sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah. So you've like you've been a you've been a like have you been a are you a lifelong New Yorker or did you you know like move there to become a uh you know rock and roll musician i i moved to new york to uh to go to art school i i basically kind of like did the full like uh belly flop out of multiple colleges wipe out <laughs> lost routine you know like year 17 to 21 were just uh like working in as a bus boy or in a mm-hmm. parking lot and you know, just wasting a lot of time. And then I finally thought, I'll straighten myself out and figure out, you know, a legitimate life in the fine arts. So I went to uh, I went to the Pratt Institute, which is was actually sort of this weird creative boot camp for me. And it actually, it really straightened me out. It's, it's, a, it's a weird story because you don't think of like art school as a place to like get your scene together but yeah, I totally you know, get a haircut and get a real job <laughs> right exactly exactly but but in a lot of ways like you know I, I i grew up you know kind of with all the all the sort of suburban con- privilege and confusion that you could have had growing up in like the 60s and 70s in you know i grew up in the suburbs of boston and uh 
I just was a mess, you know, like school didn't work and I didn't know how to do anything. And uh, yeah, coming to Pratt was like, you know, the, I mean, Pratt is in many ways like a, it's just like a studio school. Like they have a foundation year that's really tough and it's designed to kind of teach you how to become a, a disciplined person. So it's just, uh, it, w- it really helped. It really helped me, uh, you know, get my scene together. And I started drinking, I moved to New York and basically started drinking coffee about a week later. And that, and, and, yeah. and <laughs> it's, those two things are so conflated in my personality. Like right. I, I, I went from being kind of like a mildly depressed kind of teenager to being like a very excitable young adult. And, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I've never looked back. <laughs> Dear mother, I've moved to yes. New York. I've been here 10 days and I find myself walking here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we before before we started the record, um, John, you got two coffees. You not only have a mug of coffee, but you have a yeah. thermos of coffee. Yeah. You this is a this is a lifestyle for you. Po- podcasting is not for amateurs, my friend. <laughs> are you a co- are you what kind of coffee man are you are because like jordan is a has been a coffee enthusiast to varying degrees in our time together from uh, a cup of coffee in the morning to sweating coffee in the mid-afternoon um and jordan has always just uh, jordan has always been a very democratic coffee drinker uh just look i'm 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 drinking i'm drinking a cup of joe kind the of coffee thing. the My coffee wife, in front of me yeah Exactly. My my wife, Teresa, is a coffee person, but she's the kind that is extraordinarily – she's a very laid-back, easygoing person, but extraordinarily careful and specific about her coffee. She's got a burr grinder, a special pour-over thing. She's got a, a, a water boiler, a kettle. She's got an electric kettle that, uh, you know, that heats to a specific temperature – with a long gooseneck so it doesn't change on the way out. Uh, you know, she's got a whole setup. So where are you on that coffee spectrum? Uh, you know, I I have toured with people who have like very elaborate coffee deals and I feel like I can I enjoy taking advantage of their obsessions. Um, and those coffees sure taste great, but I don't have that kind of time. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm I'm going to be drinking coffee like all day long, so I don't even I I buy I buy ground coffee because it's like i'm gonna be wow. i'm gonna be blazing Sick. through it you know it's all that bag's gonna be gone in three days so <laughs> it, you just eat it straight well yeah <laughs> I, you know it's it's also I, my first coffee experience was cafe bustello which is also a very kind of brooklyn oh, yeah, bodega sure. reality and um sometimes you know sometimes you wonder like are they just adding dirt to this stuff because it, it doesn't, it doesn't really it's just a little dirt it doesn't in there. Really, like yeah. when they had to make laws to preserve white bread because <laughs> yeah. people kept making bread and selling it that had sand in the sand in the flour. That, that's a that's a that's on Wikipedia. That was like a big thing. Like in the early nineteenth century, wow. late eighteenth century, like a big thing was you would go and buy bread in the city, and it would be made with a combination of flour and sand. <laughs> Because flour was expensive, right, right. It, like to cut to cut costs, they would just mix a little bit of sand in there, and that's like one of the reasons that you know white bread as a phenomenon occurred. Because the whiter it is, the less right. you can fake 
Unless you can get the sand in there or whatever it is that's not actual grain. Right. I mean, I I always wonder. I, I, there used to be a restaurant when I was when I was living in Williamsburg. There was a restaurant that served the most garlicky food imaginable. And I just at a certain point, I was like, "When does it stop being food and turn into something else?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> But become garlic. Right. Yeah. Yes. Eating garlic eating garlic off an index card. I feel I feel like uh just as sometimes I imagine myself as an alcohol I don't drink, but I imagine that if I drank beer, I would drink uh Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. I just like the idea of it. I like that lady. Yeah. Uh I don't know if it's good. Never had it before. I just like the 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 lady who's re- reclining on a moon and everything. Uh, I feel the same way. Like if I drank coffee in New York, one thousand percent, it would be from Chock Full of Nuts. Mm. Oh, like yeah. I just think the brand allure of Chock Full of Nuts is so overwhelming to me that I would give up any any flavor preference just to get that Chock Full of Nuts can. <laughs> you know, the, the first couple of years I lived in New York, there was more evidence of what New York was like in the fifties and sixties than like ever since then like it all left almost right away like there were uh what do you call them uh, like uh automats there were actually oh, yeah. still yes. a couple of like uh dubros and a uh, horn and hard art these these really old-fashioned it was like all like sort of like it was the kind of place you could like film a woody allen movie basically <laughs> and uh the the chock full of nuts there were in midtown there were these enormous diners that were called Chock Full of Nuts that was run by the same company. And, you know, in the uh, mid-80s, they they literally were like Chock Full of Nuts. I mean, it was it was like a, basically a <laughs> lunatic asylum that you could hang out in for an hour if you had a dollar fifty. <laughs> um, I'm curious. So I am in a couple of days, I am gonna go to uh, New York for a wedding. It's the first time I've been to New York in, in years and years and years. I used to like go out there to work once in a while, but I haven't been in forever. I am wondering what what are the what are the John Flansburg New York must do's? Oh man. You know, I'm I I wish I wish I got out more. I mean, are you gonna be out in the East Village or the Lower East Side? Uh, I'm staying in Brooklyn, uh, but would be happy to travel to other parts. Where in Brooklyn? Uh, at at the Best Western. <laughs> really? Yes, that's fascinating. Yeah. Like, the, I but, believe it. Is, I mean, yes. Let me see. Here, I'll get you. That's a great call, Jordan. I'll, Last time I was in Brooklyn, I stayed at the Worst Western, and yeah, cannot bad, recommend. Yeah, bad move. You're like, this will be kitschy and fun. Oh, so I really, I'm okay. I'll, I'll pull it up here. I'll pull it up here on on Google Maps. I have it in my calendar. I am staying in. Let's see. It is on Fourth Avenue. Um, this will come sure, out Park after Slopey. I'm back, so no one will show up and kill me. Although that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am on like Fourth Avenue and. Um, oh, I'm, I'm next to a place called Luigi's Pizza. That's fun. It's a fun little connection. Bring, bring your costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What kind of sauce they use there? <laughs> I don't know, Jesse. Probably Wario yeah, sauce. Just, just red sauce. Just red it's sauce. probably just red sauce. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that means you should get your liver checked. You're like somewhere near Park Slope, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Sunset I mean, Park? Is Sunset Park something? Oh, Sunset Park. Oh, that's further out. I have no... I. I think that's a very sort of up and coming, very groovy area. I'm sure. 
Yeah. You'll be taken for a ride. John, Jordan, why are we talking about neighborhoods in Brooklyn when we could be listing restaurants in Los Angeles? This is a podcast, guys. (laughs) Let's talk about things at the Grove. Right. Let's talk about things at the Americana. (laughs) I want to branch out. I feel like there's two kinds of podcasts. The List Things in LA podcast, the List Things in New York podcast, and then Star Wars complaints. That's the third kind. Yeah. I um, does anybody else anybody have any Star Wars complaints? I, I feel like what I, I feel like you could put together a tour of things in New York that just never changed from 1956. I think that would be great. Yeah, that, in San Francisco, I, there's all these storefronts that say "Play Fascination," and when I was a kid, they were operating, and I think they were like a chock full of nuts in that just. If you were just a drifter who lived in a local SRO, you know, you'd go down and do whatever play fascination is for a day with a dollar. And then you'd wander out and buy a tuna sandwich from a vending machine. I don't know. Like these are things from things that seem like they're on the periphery of the mixed up files of Mrs. Basily Frankweiler. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah john john are there like things in new york that have like stood the test of time like oh this this has been there forever i don't know why it's still there how does it still exist i always just sort of center around east village stuff i mean there is like yeah. Katz's and and you know great like deli food if you're if you're a meat oriented person i um, am yes i am a, you know yes i'm a meat-based man I, yeah i've i've been i've been to i've been to Katz's like a thousand times and you know it's always it's super great and uh it's very low-key i mean it doesn't it's it's like i mean they sell hot dogs there so it's just like but they also have better stuff and you know you have a like a pretty good chance of of uh, seeing Robert Crumb while you're there, <laughs> Ooh, great. which is kind of makes it makes it worth. I it. hope he's carrying his banjo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my interest in deli food has skyrocketed over the over the past few years. I have it has gone from like something I would have if it was close to like something I will like drive a long way for. Yeah, I'm, it, it I'm really fits very in. interested in deli food right now. Yeah, it fits in with any uh, weight gain program you might be on you know. <laughs> yeah i am I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to make weight for wrestling so yeah <laughs> trying to get into a new class so i learned about a thing uh i i really love this uh cartoonist from new york named ben catcher and um he makes these he makes these comics that are kind of guys wandering through the 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 most successful of them is called julius knipple real estate photographer and each each page is just Julius Knippel kind of wandering into a like an abandoned and somewhat fantastical mm-hmm. New York building or storefront. And he goes on a kind of weird journey through the past that doesn't quite make sense. And uh, Ben Catcher wrote this whole nonfiction comic, long nonfiction comment comic about this thing called a dairy restaurant. Oh yeah, which of which there are still a couple. Oh, there's in yeah, New York. Absolutely, but, no. I think there's more than. I mean, if you go into any like uh, sort of orthodox neighborhood, there are dairies. There's dairies all around. What, what I've actually never heard of. What it, uh, John? What is one of those? It's the opposite of a deli. Like all the like a kosher deli doesn't have mayonnaise. It doesn't have uh, any egg products. And a dairy is all the 
opposite stuff. Like it's it's the kosher thing of separating foods. Um, so yeah, and they're you know, I think I think the whole thing about kosher restaurants is that the idea is that they're they're super clean. Uh, and getting back to the whole sand in the bread callback that everybody's been waiting for. It's, uh, there is this thing about, uh, you know, there were so many health issues, you know, 150 years ago, 100 years ago, related to like eating in a restaurant, like if things weren't refrigerated or things weren't fresh, you know, all of a sudden, like you're just in the hospital dying of, you know, because you ate a sandwich. And it's, and, uh, so, what a way to go, though. Huh? Yeah. So, so yeah. But no, they're still they're kind of everywhere. I think. I mean, I, I I don't know. You get you get a Blintz. A Blintz Ooh. is a real dairy restaurant. Absolutely. Food. Yeah. Ooh, I want a Blintz. I'd love a Blintz right now. Would absolutely love a Blintz. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that have hung around Los Angeles, right? I mean, the French Dip is a Los Angeles food, and there's two competing French Dip restaurants in Los is Angeles. Is it like is it like Frenchie's best French Dip and world's greatest? And then French besties dip. French, exactly. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a, there's a weird Los Angeles phenomenon where there will be two places close together who claim to have invented something, and yeah. then. I think that's a classic restaurant. Yeah, that's maybe a that's every. Food yeah, phenomenon. maybe every every big city has that version. And yeah, and one of them is Philippe's, which has remained largely unchanged. Which is still, you know, is one of those places yeah. where you walk in and you're like, "Oh, this is like this is probably just like it looked in 1972." And there's like wood floors, and also just like it looked in 1938. Yeah, like there's pictures of it. Like it truly Philippe's Philippe's the French dip. Uh, is just one of the great treasures of life. I love, yeah. I could not love every, that place Every more. sign is sun damaged. Every sign has been. Yes. <laughs> Literal sawdust on the floor. Like it's a hanger with sawdust on the floor. Table, table, a uh, counter order, a giant line, counter order, pickled eggs. Um, love everything about it. Philippe's the French dip. But in Coles is downtown. That's the rival. Yeah. So Coles is one of those things that's like it's it's such a mixed bag phenomenon in that like a beloved a beloved local institution closed down and then like a hipster restaurateur who, you know, may or may not have a lot of love for it, like buys it up and then kind of like makes it into the hipster version of what it was. And yeah, and it's it's weird because it's like, oh, I'm glad that place still exists. I'm glad this isn't like apartments or a poke place, you know? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and the it's the food a... is fucking. I mean, the that sandwich is still still really rules. It's like you know, it's it's a little bit of a weird scene, and you know, maybe a couple bucks more expensive than it has to be, but like the sandwich is great. Yeah, it's a little bit like if you could get a really good sandwich at uh, the restaurant in uh, the New Orleans part of Disneyland. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But now, did you guys track this story about the popularization of Thai cuisine as we know it in the United States coming out of like uh, some kind of not commissary food in Hollywood, but somebody who was doing a catering for movies in Hollywood? No. Uh, yeah. No. I, t tell us more. Oh, it was like a couple of years ago, the son of the, the I guess it was a couple that that basically introduced Thai food to L.A. as it's known, um, told this story, sort of told his, his parents' story, and I guess he's, he's in the restaurant business too. But what's, you know, of course, like all, you know, a, a lot of like faraway cuisines are, are sort of modded 
out, right. you know, just same way that like, you know, Chinese food in the United States has nothing to do with Chinese food from China, like, um, or, or, you know, it's like triangulated in some way that makes sense to our palate, but, and like the stuff that the, the gelat, the yeah, gelatinous or- foam has been taken away. <laughs> yeah. Or to the, to the palate of, uh, uh, like, uh, guys with giant beards and, uh, Gold sifting pans, in <laughs> right? 1893, right. Right. San Francisco. So, yeah, so, yeah evidently, the, uh, you know, the the Thai food that we all love, that be- basically arrived in 1978 on the set of some, you know, uh, movie with a very sad ending, and <laughs> like, and That's, yeah, that, and every everybody movie in was 1978 like, had a yeah. real bummer of an ending, <laughs> and uh, and people were like. This is this is my favorite kind of food. Like this, I love this more than any other kind of food. But it, it but uh, it was just an LA thing. It really was an LA thing. I mean, I've I've never been to Thailand. I have no idea if if you can get like you know tofu pad Thai yeah. in Thailand. <laughs> uh, but and maybe you can, and maybe it tastes exactly the same. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I know there's some specific things that are in. Uh, the pad thai we eat here, and I'm sure that the more obscure things are, are directly from Thailand. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was an idea that's straight out of L.A. It's like it's part of L.A.'s you know film history, basically. My I don't know anything about Thailand. I I was there for eight hours once, but like, I've seen um, I've seen all I need. To. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I get it. I get I it. I rode on the rode on the back of a taxi yeah. motorcycle. That was horrifying. Um, but uh, my dad used to work in Laos, and a lot of Lao Americans have Thai and Vietnamese restaurants. There are Lao restaurants in the United States, but uh, largely, like our our friend Kulap Vlaisak, who's been a guest on this show many times, Kulap's mom uh, ran, I, I think, a Thai restaurant, um, and she's Lao. And there's a restaurant in uh, Springville, California. No, Porterville, California, which is this sort of central California ag town uh, that is the last the last place of any size that's on the way to my cabin 7,000 hours from Los Angeles in the mountains um, is this, you know, it's maybe 50, 75,000 people, something like that. Uh, and there's this restaurant there. We were looking for a place to eat because it's like it's the place to stop before you get up to the mountains. And we were looking for a place to eat, and there was a place called Vientiane Cafe. Vientiane is the biggest city in Laos. And I thought, man, wouldn't this be great if this was a Lao restaurant? You know, it must be a Lao restaurant. And, you know, Lao people, a lot of a lot of people came to the United States in the 70s when they're obviously when we were bombing their country. And um uh, so, you know, they're they're spread out, like many people in Minneapolis area, but besides that, spread out. And so we went to this restaurant and this restaurant was like, it was like what you imagine the menu of a Chinese restaurant was in 1940. Like they sold just a list. They sold sushi. Mm -hmm. They sold, uh, uh, they sold chow mein. They sold chop suey. Uh, they sold potstickers. Uh, there's just a list of every type of Asian food and the people came to the counter and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm one, I like, I'm just curious because the place is called Vientiane Cafe. If you or the folks who run, run the restaurant are Lao 
And she's like, and she's like, yeah, we're all Lao. Do you want Lao food? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and they like brought us Lao food. But it was like, this restaurant's doing business just selling sushi to one person <laughs> and chow mein to another person. Uh, just because it it was it is the city's yeah. Asian restaurant, you know what I mean? Like want ate, want food from this continent? Well, good news, we've got you covered. Have you guys heard about this thing? Uh, maybe I don't know if this. I think this might even exist in a different way in Los Angeles and on the West Coast, but in New York City, especially since uh, the lockdown, the food delivery. There are all these kitchens, all these fake restaurants yes. on the seamless and grubhub that actually or or kitchens that are supplying food for other restaurants like you'll get you'll get a food delivery and it won't have your name on it or your address on it or whatever it'll have the name of the restaurant it's supposed to be right. from which is like a really <laughs> easy tell is like guys like you you know this is this is just a a big old fake right <laughs> I think you're describing Jordan's Instagram, right, Jordan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is my. Uh, I got on Instagram kind of recently, and the the only thing the algorithm thinks slash knows I want is like photos of places like this that have kind of this like crazy. And yeah, and they all and this is and I don't know, but this is the LA version. They all have some sort of like punny suggestive name. It'll be like my neck, my back, my kimchi, and my crack, or something like that. Like, that, they all have some sort of, like, meme name. What's the story with all restaurants now having a dish that's named crack something? Oh, yeah. That seems a bit much. That's one of our greatest national tragedies. There was a place that did that that recently issued an apology for that, which really? I thought was very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, it's, it's a milk bar. It's a, Oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah, they had a famous crack thing, and they're like, eh, hey, sorry, <laughs> which yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get how maybe you would casually yeah. do that because you thought it was. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I also hope that the, like, crack this is on the way out. I, I, I think it is. Yeah, I'll say this, Jordan. Now that you mentioned that, 15 years ago in New York, when that shit was new, I went to that motherfucker and ate that crack thing. It was hella good. <laughs> Yeah, sure. It was hella good. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now it's called heroin pie. <laughs> and we can all enjoy it a little bit more. <laughs> really uh, helps my jazz albums. <laughs> but on the West Coast, they also have this thing now that I've just heard about, which is there are these restaurants that are just fulfillment places for non-existent yeah. storefront restaurants. Like, you can have a virtual restaurant now, and and they are one kitchen will be you know presenting the food of Krusty the clown cafeteria yeah. that only exists online i love kkk like what <laughs> really great <laughs> place <laughs> right 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 no no actually there is there is a youtube influencer who's 22 years old who has started a burger shop in los angeles that yeah he's like um, called beast mode or something kids, like that mr beast mode yeah mr beast yeah. Uh, Mr. Beast is, uh, and it's hugely successful. Like kids love yeah. it. Kids, kids ask ask for it by by name. <laughs> yeah, I think feel like I've heard that that phenomenon that like there's just ten different restaurants operating out of this one kitchen. I think that's what happened to Chuck E. Cheese's. I think Chuck E. Cheese's were that. Like that was the their solution for 
no one can come in here because they're germ factories now. Well, they also changed their name. They changed their name to something else. Yeah, right. They were like, yeah, Pasquale's or something like that. Like one of right, the right, characters. Right. So like fans <laughs> will know this is Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I didn't know there were other characters besides isn't Chucky enough? Oh, there's a Mar- there's a Marvel Cinematic Universe's worth of <laughs> characters of <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. Wow. Somebody's got to play percussion in that band, you know? Sure. Right. There's even more nightmare fuel than you thought. <laughs> yeah. How about an <laughs> iguana that makes a weird clacking sound when it blinks? Gosh, I have to say, like, I have not had a lot of upsides <laughs> of the pandemic. It's been a mostly downsides for me. I don't know if that has been it's your experience, 50 for me. <laughs> but for me personally, yeah, for me personally, mm-hmm. it's been mostly downsides. But I guess now that I think about it, one upside is I have not stepped foot in a Chuck E. Cheese, mm. the worst place in the world. Oh, yeah. And you're in the crosshairs. I Yeah, with a, with a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 10-year-old, Chuck E. Cheese has me in his sights yeah. and is ready to throttle me with his robotic nightmare hand. You're getting frequent sire miles out of that. <laughs> I did go to my first um, indoor kid's birthday party. A classmate of my son's had a birthday party with just kids from their class. So it's kids that are together all the time. I'm like, this seems pretty safe. And um, it was in Glendale, California, which is a real all-American suburb. Um, My dad spent his teenage years there. Just a real classic tree-lined streets. Uh, Now about half Armenian. Most of the Armenian Americans in uh, the United States live in Glendale. Uh, but other than that unusual demographic quirk, completely average suburban place in this laser tag arena. And it was like, it was tiki themed, but it was tiki themed in the sense that someone went to a party (laughs) store and was just like, well, there's not enough fucking skeleton <laughs> shit to make it skeleton themed. There's only like four different skeleton things. What is, where is there 12 different things of? And just bought tiki shit for this laser. T- it was the greatest thing in the history of the world. Just a weird office park building, not a big one, a small one, uh, with a tiki theme, uh, like mm-hmm. 70s bricks, um, Probably one Papa Shot machine, a little snack bar that sold uh, pizzas that were definitely cooked in an oven under the counter, and uh, Dippin' Dots, go. the ice cream of the future, and then like three arcade That's machines, and right that there. was it. And three insolent teens, just three teens who mm. did not want to be there at all. Uh, really it was good. awesome. They went and played laser tag. Every... Every kid got a an animal that they were in laser tag so they could check their standings at the end of the game. There were uh, two teams of eight each. Uh, and out of those, you guys you guys want to guess where my son Oscar finished? Could he use his scythe? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't shoot anybody, but I, <laughs> yeah. I hit a lot of people in the head with my scythe. I think he got the same- Scythe? The same number of points he would have gotten had he used a scythe. He finished 16th. There you go. The the part that impressed me the most was that number 15 got uh, 3,500 points for shooting people with lasers. And my son 
somehow got 1,500 points. <laughs> so my son got less than half of number 15. He's a pacifist. He's trying to solve <laughs> a, problems through nonviolent means. He has a vibrant internal life, Jordan. Uh, when we were talking about the animals, the sometimes terrifying animals at Chuck E. Cheese, I noticed... Uh, John, do you have some taxidermy behind you? Is that a taxidermy bobcat? Uh, I, what am I seeing I, back I there? I do. I do. I'll, I'll, uh, just give me, give me a second. And I'll, I'll I'll bring it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, we're gonna want to we're gonna want the at home audience to be able to see this. Yeah, uh, this is why you listen. This great. is why you gotta t- tune into the live streams, people. The funny thing about uh, taxidermy is. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, now this, oh, wow. John, and, you know, and it's like the, in, including including my wife who ha- who hates this, and and what's her problem? And, and, that thing's great, and hates me for liking now, it. Now I'll tell now you. For, let's describe yeah, it. Let's okay. describe it for people. Well, so this is a tiger, John, but it's not. It's not the size of a tiger. No, I think it's sort of the size of a squirrel. Um, and I think the idea is you learn your taxidermy skills on little kind of fantasy objects like this, because with this, you have to put in eyes, you got to put in the fake teeth, you got to put in the stripes. It's all it's all to just basically help you figure out how to perfect your craft in, in taxidermy. But the thing is, nobody wants to live with this stuff, so... <laughs> um, you know, no one wants to like wake up and like at three a.m. Yeah. and like have to get a drink of water and then first like see. Yeah, that. I just I when, when I got this in the in the uh, junk store in Ithaca, New York, I figured this would just be like right by the front door of our house. Yeah, and it would just be like greetings, like we're we're colorful <laughs> and interesting people, and now it's just like I gotta hide this when. People come around, basically. Yeah. So, so, so that, so it's a junk store find. Yes. It is. Yeah. Um, does it have a name? No, it does not have a name. It just, it just, it okay. just kind of hangs out. And my, and, yeah. and my cats, my cats don't mind it, which surprises me. Oh, interesting. I would think that they would think of that as like a competitor. No. Or an enemy. No, they are, they are, I, I've, I found them like resting alongside it. That's really adorable. Yeah. I think Jesse is coming back. Jesse is, I think, has oh, something my to add goodness. to the taxidermy Look at this. Jesse. conversation. Wow. Uh, and Jesse, you have a tiny mountain goat or something? Yeah, that- this is Rosie. Uh, short for Roosevelt the goat. In this episode of Cake Toppers, uh, Jesse Thorne. Yeah, I mean, I just, John, I just didn't want to let it slide when you said nobody wants to live with this stuff. Oh, okay. This this goat was this goat was three feet where I from where I was sitting as you uttered that phrase. I feel you, brother. I feel you, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate your love for the things that are unjustifiable and also i have a <laughs> what what exactly wh- where's that from wh- why did you get it what's it all about because that what is that made out of this is i think made out of a sheepskin uh-huh, i would say uh-huh. probably so they you, mostly they're made out of deer skin just because people you know hunters sure. shoot deer to eat and then there's just deer skin around you don't you aren't doing much with it uh so if you're a taxidermist that's what you'd practice with this i think is a sheepskin and it's got these weird horns. I think I bought it at the flea market one day. I mean, I got a lion over at the office. I got a lion that's like this too. I love them because what's great about them is they're not, you know, it's not like awful taxidermy style where 
there's something like horrifically grotesque about them. They're not horrifically grotesque to me anyway. They're like, they just have a sort of odd, charming naivete to them. Like they're sort of, they're sort of sweet in their oddness. It's fanciful. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, this could just be a form and this fur could e easily, I mean, it, it could just as easily be fake fur as real fur, which would mean that nothing about the thing I'm holding is real at all. <laughs> so, yeah. and that would be fine with what me. What really is, John, uh, uh, John Flansberg from They Might Be Giants, new album's called Book. Uh, what is real? Mm, uh, that's an well, interesting question. That is that's a good that's a good question. Um <laughs> John is John's got the mouth of this tiger right wow. right up in the camera know, right now. So we're really looking know, down its gate. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesse. I don't have a lot to contribute to this conversation. I think the closest thing I have um, and I don't have it on, I can't hold it up right now, but I have a Spider-Man bobblehead that I think was made from a real Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio star. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Now, Jordan, every episode of Jordan Jesse Go is supported. By our supporters, the folks who've gone to MaximumFun.org slash join to join Maximum Fun. We're grateful to them, profoundly grateful to every single one of them. We're also supported this week by my breakfast this morning, Magic Spoon. You know, mm. Jordan, I'm sick and tired of boring high-protein breakfasts. Yeah. You know what I would eat previously if I wanted to have a, a high-protein breakfast? Mm. 524 soy Right. Beans. Yeah. God, it was boring. A, a pillowcase like full of them almonds. Out every, just so many almonds. Yeah. Oh, boy. But now I can just enjoy uh, Magic Spoon and the amazing flavors that I yeah. love. Yeah, zero grams of sugar, 140 calories, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Uh, and you there mentioned all the great flavors, Jesse. Uh, boy, howdy. There are some great flavors. Now, Jordan, I'm a midnight toker, but you're a midnight snacker. Mm -hmm. and you got it. If you've got a if you've got a sweet tooth like Jordan Morris, you got to know when to hold them. The magic spoon that yeah. boxes hold, that hold is. the box and then open the box and then reach yeah. in and get the get magic it, spoon and put in it there. in your mouth. Can they have a little have a little tasty? Uh, we're talking about cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple waffle, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. Recent limited runs that were so popular, they had to make them permanent. Jordan. Yeah, both very delicious. You should try them today. Uh, there's a build your own bundle feature, uh, which mm. is really fun. Here's what you do. You go to magicspoon.com slash JJGo to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code JJGo at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash JJGo. Use the code JJGo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy as well. Now, Jordan... 
these are tough times. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to be going through the worst of times to benefit from therapy. Often, uh, often when you're going through even the most regular of times, that's when you can make uh, the most impact working on the big issues that are hiding in the shadows. Yeah. Uh, think of it. Think of it like taking your car to get a tune-up. Uh, the brain is just a car of the mind, Jesse. <laughs> The brain is a car of the mind, as BetterHelp likes to say. <laughs> yes, they send They've asked specifically that we say the brain <laughs> is the car of the mind. Yeah, they sent us sweatshirts that have that on it. <laughs> it's good because it's cold. You know, it's going to be winter. Yeah, so it's nice to remember that slogan, on. the brain is the car of the mind. But seriously, uh, you don't have to be in a, a, a grand crisis to benefit from therapy. You can also benefit from it just as a simple tune-up. And uh, BetterHelp is is one way to access therapy. Um, you can do it all kinds of different ways, video, phone, live chat if you want to. You don't have to talk to anyone uh, you don't have to make eye contact with anybody if you don't want to. If you're like uncomfortable with the whole prospect, uh, there's a lot of ways to get it that can make you more comfortable. And as far as I'm concerned, anything that gets you there is uh, is a net benefit to your life. So uh, we're glad that they have so many uh, so many different ways to do it, and um, it can be more affordable. Uh, you can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. Um, it, it's a really, it's a really great way to access therapy, which, uh, can be monumentally beneficial to your life. Not the only one, but, but one of many and a, and a really, and a really good one and an accessible uh, one. Totally. And, uh, we love that they're sponsoring the show. And if you go to betterhelp.com slash JJ go, you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's B E T T E R H E L P dot com slash J J go for 10% off your first month. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Jordan, I also want to mention something because the holidays are around the corner. Yes, please. I I have a I have my own store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if anybody out there is looking for just strings of lights or inflatable snowmans. Can I still get the uh, twelve foot skeleton, or is that a Halloween <laughs> yeah. only kind of thing? No, we carry that. We carry that year round. A lot of people don't realize that we carry that uh, year round, but uh, you know, it's we adjust it a little bit for different holidays. Yeah, you just throw a hat, Santa hat on that dude, you know? Yeah, or put a tree on there for Arbor Day. Sure. You know, tree hat? Yeah, Lincoln hat. <laughs> <laughs> skeletons love fucking tree hats. Yeah, skeletons love tree hats. I'm the, actually the proprietor of the Put This On Shop. It is a vintage and antique store uh, on the internet at putthisonshop.com. We sell all kinds of wonderful things for fancy lads and for others. So uh, I, I'm looking at the store right now. There's a, a couple of really beautiful uh, blankets from long ago. Uh, there is a, um, there's a, a lot of pocket knives, got a lot of pocket knives going on in here. Uh, I have some, oh gosh, what's something that I really love is this, uh, mirror that advertises American fashion hats. It's like from the 1930s, 1940s. This thing's beautiful. Put this up in your house. People are going to be, people are going to be loving on it all day long. Just rubbing their, just rubbing their bodies all up and down it like a, like a, um uh like mm. a chamois cloth 
Yeah, shamming is the word I was looking for. But yeah, I mean, everything from uh, everything from jewelry to uh, little house things. Um, if if there's somebody in your life that needs a gift, uh, I I would love for you to go to putthisonshop.com and grab something for them. Jordan, if you're lucky, maybe this year is the year that you get this uh, T-shirt I have in the store uh, that says um, Laguna Beach on it. And then it's just got a steam train. <laughs> wow. You know, the universal the universal symbol yeah. of the uh, Orange County beach town that has no trains in it and is notoriously hard to get into and out of Laguna they, Beach. There's a train that goes to Laguna Beach. Is there really? Yeah, we've, we I did field trips there as a kid. Okay, well, that's what the picture of the train yeah. is then, probably. It's, it was fun. It was a fun. You could get on it uh, at uh, San Juan Capistrano. Oh, well, then go to go see the Swallows, yep. then go to the Put This On mm-hmm. Shop at PutThisOnShop.com, uh, then ride the train down to Laguna Beach and visit my Aunt Bally. Sounds like a fun day. Yeah. It's, well, it's probably a, you're probably going to want to have an overnight. You want to spend the time with the Swallows. Yeah. See what, see what, and with Bally. See what they have to offer. Because, what you know, Bally and Art, you know, her, her partner, Art, they're going to probably want to have you over for dinner. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. And it's just, it's polite. They cooked, you know? Yeah, and you know, you just bring them something from the Put This On Shop. We also have ALF cards. Uh, PutThisOnShop.com. <laughs> Buy your holiday gifts there. That's it. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you more in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is excitable John Flansburg. He is. He's, yeah. He's pumped up on bean juice, folks. Glug, glug. Mr. Excitement. Coming in hot. Throw it down. I have to say, John, you've got a classic thermos there, but you're drinking out of a standard mug, not the top of the classic thermos. It's in the dishwasher. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Ooh, it's in the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, you've got a coming in hot. You've got a hot. request from Johnny at Lompoc. Uh, he wants yes. to hear classic yes. mug dedicated to Sally somewhere on the outside. Hey, Drew Barrymore, <laughs> are you babysitting? <laughs> Do you like scary movies? And also, where's the thermos cap? Yeah. You have to heat up the inside of the thermos before you put the coffee in there so it'll stay hot longer. Pour some boiling water in. That's my tip to you. On Love FM. I don't know. Remember remember when the goth lady from our college radio station got like a two-foot-tall black rose made out of toilet paper that was sent to her by a fan who was in jail? Yes. That was amazing. I do. That was that one of the was most, amazing. that was the best thing that happened to us in our entire college career, I would say. I'm I'm really trying to catch up with that imagery. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, it was spectacular. Yeah. It was stunning. A black rose, 18 inch, like literally eight, probably 18 inches tall. Right. Gorgeous black rose. Her name was DJ Victoria, if I remember correctly. Came to her from an inmate who had made it for her because he listened to her at night in his cell. You know, they had transistor radio or whatever picked up our picked up our signal and uh and presumably the prisoner was himself a goth and 
he made this, it was one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. Uh, it was under glass that was made out of plastic that I don't know what it was from, but something. But the rose itself was made out of toilet paper colored with, colored presumably with markers, like moistened and color, colored with markers maybe. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was totally amazing. It was in the lobby of our radio station for years thereafter. <laughs> uh, an extraordinary achievement. We never got any jail mail while we worked there. I know. On a single piece of jail mail. You'd think that that's what prisoners would be into listening to at 7.30 in the morning. Just our bullshit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fuck. Like, oh, great. They're interviewing Dick Dale, the king of the surf guitar. Everybody gather around. <laughs> Ooh, and then some clumsy prank calls afterwards. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you very much. Uh, when something momentous. Speaking of prank calls. Yeah. When something momentous happens to you, give us a call, 206-984-4FUN, or just send us a voice memo at jjgo at maximumfun.org. Someone who has done that is this person, Brian Fernandez, our producer, is going to press play on the call at this time. Hi, Jordan, um, Jesse, Jess, and Sunny D. This is Bailey calling from Seattle with a momentous occasion, which is that I found out that my friend Ellen from CrossFit listens to Jordan Jesse go. She said uh, she doesn't understand all why people like all those smart podcasts. She likes stupid shows about nothing, like this one. And it was perfect. And if live performance ever returns, we now have someone to go to a live show with together. Get dressed every day. Bye. Hey, Jordan, Jesse, Sunny D, and guest. I'm going to guess Gwen Weldon. Uh, this is Ellen calling from Seattle, Washington with the momentous occasion. Uh, I just met another Jordan, Jesse, Go fan in the wild. We've actually known each other for a little bit now, uh, but I didn't know she was a fan of the podcast, too. Turns out she did from finding my tweet exchanges with Jesse. Um, but I had no idea. So I'm super excited to have found another fan of the show because the last time you guys were in town, I had to go see you by myself. Maybe now I'll have a friend to go with next time. Uh, you guys can go on tour. Uh, thanks. Love you guys. Bye-bye. I got, I got to tell you this, Jordan. Yes. Would you say that the number one quality of our show, Jordan, Jesse, go. We've been doing this podcast, what, 12, 13, 14 mm -hmm. years, something like that? Yep. Would you say the number one quality of this show is its non-recommendability? I mean, I'd say the number one is it's to get people pumped for CrossFit. Right. Okay. So the top two, that we have a right. certain y'all ready for this quality. There's no yeah, question I, about that. We are a sure, high yeah. NRG podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, would you say that the main thing about this show is that if you were going to see us live, rather than introduce someone to it, you would just go by yourself? Yeah. Jordan, Jesse, go live shows where most of the audience is there by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, I feel like I've had this I've had this experience being a They Might Be Giants fan. Like when you learn that like a friend that you've known for a little while also likes They Might Be Giants. It's a pretty fucking mind-blowing experience. And then you're like, well, now I like this person forever. But lots of people like They Might Be Giants. There's only 30 or 40 Jordan Jesse Go fans <laughs> scattered across the CrossFits sure. of this great nation. <laughs> Just whipping those ropes up and down. Everybody else is listening to Rogan. 
Uh, but yeah, but I have had this. I have had this. It's a, it's a, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you can like, it, I don't know. It brings you together with the person a little bit Wait, more. You guys like Rogan too? Oh yes! <laughs> oh, hell yeah, bro! Yeah, I I know very little. I know very little about about Ro- Rogan, but the little I hear, it sounds yeah. He was good on news radio. I think I think as podcasters, we are kind of like obligated to at least like acknowledge joe rogan right you have to kind of like uh you can't you can't to diss him is to destroy yours the, the that grenade is going to blow up on you yeah yeah yes exactly I, I, I actually i actually i actually found myself trying to say something just sort of cult, trying to frame something cultural while talking about adele the other day and realizing that i'm like alienating 80% of the people listening to what I'm saying that, you know, they're just like most, most thoughtful people just have fond feelings for Adele. Yeah. And that's, right. that's how, that's how she enjoys the total incredible success that she has. It's like, you know, she's just a likable, extremely talented person. Yeah. And so to say something about, you know, that kind of thing like Adele mm. is just like, sort of like show business, suicide you know like if you say things like adele what you're referring to is things that people range on a scale of one to ten liking six to eight just things pretty much everybody pretty much likes yeah yeah and they're very but they're very few things like that in culture in general like most things are you know uh the spicy mustard equivalent you know i think that's the thing that you were saying about about they might be giants it's like you know I think one of the things that's good about the project that we're in is that we are we are not for everybody which but it's not to say we're against most people it's just it's just we're just doing the thing that you know we do uh but uh but Joe Rogan man sounds like that guy's a nut I mean <laughs> yeah. guy's a little bit of a nut a real a real nut <laughs> I like I like I like that that is that's like the kindest way to describe <laughs> His effect, his effect on it? society is like, this guy's a little nutty. <laughs> He's got a little screw loose. You know, short time, no time. I've I've not never heard a word the man said except uh, that he has COVID, but he's treating it with uh, joke medicines, so everything's going to be okay. Sure. He's, yeah. tre- he's treating it with, uh, with flipping a tire back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not to insult our CrossFit fans, of whom there are apparently many. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those things too. It's the two, and they just all. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I, I I realize we kind of have to like like he will he will be a topic of joke that we c- can and will have to end up making on this show, and there's a point to where I'm like, boy, should I listen a little bit for more joke polls? No, <laughs> all my Joe not. Rogan, all my Joe Rogan joke polls are just based on. Having a friendly acquaintance with his old producer in 2012. Uh, everything else since then, it's really just a vague awareness uh, of his the the shininess of his head and the fact that I think he's like 60. Yeah, but isn't isn't there a component to his place in the culture that, in some weird way, he not to make a, a tortured vaccine analogy but he's kind of inoculated himself from a lot of uh criticism from culturati people because he's so in the same world as a lot of 
I mean, he, he comes out of stand-up comedy, right? Like, he basically is... I think he has inoculated himself from criticism by being the classic I'm-just-asking-questions guy. Uh, right. He is a right, true right. I'm-just-asking-questions guy, I'm-open-to-all-ideas guy. Doesn't do a lot of advocacy, just does a lot of inviting evil people on to just hear what they have to say. <laughs> That's the main, but, like, I don't know that he is necessarily personally pushing for a, that much evil stuff as much as he is, um, as they say, platforming. Right. Platforming credulous. But John, I think, that, I do think you have, you have an interesting point in that, like, there is a class, there's a class of, like, you know, pop culture fan, a, a certain class of nerdy pop culture fan that will just always have a warm feeling about him because of news radio, because he was on this classic, like, comedy nerd thing. But, you know, it's like, you know, the people listening, you know, to him now for ketamine advice, like, <laughs> you know, it's like how, it's like how, like, the world's Breaking Bad fans probably never watched Mr. Show and just know Bob Odenkirk from that, you know, but there's always, a, you know, Breaking Bad is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So yeah. it's not a perfect analogy, but like, I would listen you know, to, I would listen to Bob Odenkirk's ketamine podcast. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Be or funny if he, if he would <laughs> periodically yell in a funny way yeah. or sing <laughs> in a way that's like not that good, but you still like it. Right. I yeah, took some I, salvia and went into the center of the universe in just five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Remember when I came on screen in Little Women and it <laughs> blew the mind of two people in the theater? <laughs> That blew my mind. Yeah. I did basically do one of those like three stooges whoop, 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 run around in a circle when Bob Odenkirk came on in Little Women. Yeah, we were all, we were, there was a, a class of like, you know, late 30s white guy who we all did the Leonardo DiCaprio point at the TV meme. <laughs> right. right. But, Little Women. But, but, uh, but do you feel like Bob Odenkirk is now testing us with like, he did that action movie where he got all ripped and yeah, stuff? Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, was, nobody. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was really like. Does he have conversations with his agent that are like, okay, the Little Women thing that shook people up, but let's take it to the next level. <laughs> when I loved being in Little Women, but I right. don't think I punched enough throats. Right that 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 only that only took me a week. When, I need to I need to commit to something you know months of training for yeah. something that will completely confound all the people who have supported <laughs> me for so long. It's I mean that that's amazing. When Greta Gerwig was on uh, Bullseye for Little Women, um, I asked her, I mean, I basically said, like, how'd you end up casting Bob Odenkirk in that part? Like, to, Did this make it to air? Yeah, it felt it felt off the wall to me, but he was great, you know? I was like, wow, well, he was perfect, so... And it occurred to me, like, oh, he's actually pretty famous now, so it's not that off the wall. It just feels yeah. that way to me, right. but... But her response right. oh, yeah. was basically just like, don't you wish he was your dad? And I was like, oh, good point. Yes, I do, of course. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, Brian, we got another call in there? Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and I'm pretty sure the um, raised corpse of Pope John Paul II. Yes, JP2. I, I have a momentous occasion for you. I actually owe you an apology. I should have called this in a couple of weeks ago that's my bad but I, a couple of weeks ago i was waiting in the drive-thru at taco bell and and i was right in front of a bus stop and the 
and a guy in like construction gear got off the bus and then right in front of the bus stop there was like a cement divider with a box of donuts on top and so anyway the guy um just gets off the bus sees the box opens it takes the donut closes the box and then walks away um I think this guy just found a box of donuts and went for it. And I think he's my hero now. And I kind of, I, that's how I want to live. I just want to yeah. accept the donuts as they're given to me. Yeah. Anyway, that's mm. it. It was an amazing thing to watch. Love you. Bye. I understand wanting to transform that into a philosophical moment because it really, if that's what was actually going on, it, it would be a beautiful metaphor for accepting the gifts that life offers us. But I think this is something called geocaching. Right. Yeah. Also, I think worth mentioning that I think I think this is our our second recent call that happens in the drive through of a Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Can fucking I get dressed every day, you know? Yeah. I had to get, get dressed. Back. I had to get dressed every day. Uh, just so you know, John, our, our motto for 2021 uh, is get dressed every day. Um, oh, I believe I'm a firm believer in that. Make yeah. your bed, get dressed every day, pretend yep. it's all normal, even yeah. though mm -hmm. it's the same. Um, I have to relate this story. I don't know why this speaks to me after hearing that story. Please. But um, uh, years ago, when I was living in Williamsburg in Brooklyn, it, it, Williamsburg was not the Williamsburg that it is now. Williamsburg is basically like an extension of the uh, St. Mark's cultural destruction system. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Uh, it was it was at a time when if I saw somebody, you know, under the age of 40, I would stop them as they got off at the Bedford Avenue station and say, maybe we should be friends because there just <laughs> there just wasn't anyone around. It was the most low population density. It was half industrial, half immigrant population that didn't move in and out of the neighborhood. So it was just a very, very low key place to live. And uh, one day I'm coming home from work on the L train and there's a guy wearing, I don't, I can't remember if it was like a yellow suit or a white suit, but he basically was kind of in that Tom Wolf uniform, that most yeah. impossible, <laughs> unlikely Tom Wolf uniform. And I was just like, who, like, who, who is this man? Like, why, like, what life is he living that he's wearing <laughs> white clothes in New York City where white clothes don't last? Like, you can't, you can't right. do a full subway ride in a white suit and expect to getaway clean hmm. and and so he's he's going you know we're going like third avenue first avenue and then it's like oh we're off we're you know underneath the east river we're going to brooklyn the guy in the white suit's going to brooklyn with me i'm like okay cool and then he gets off and then like you know bedford avenue i get off the subway he gets off the subway he's going up the driggs avenue steps i'm going up i was like oh my god like you know who who is this man and uh he, you know, he looks like the guy in a, what is it, like the, the Curious George book, you know? Like, I mean, he was <laughs> a man with a yellow hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and so he goes into the, he goes, like, he's going into the deli, I'm going into the deli, and sure enough, he buys a six-pack of Zima. Yeah, this is this is like the one year wow. that Zima is commercially available <laughs> in stores. Holy like, I mean, it, it was a startup thing. And he, you know, he he gets that, like, I'm getting, like, my little, you know, piece of mozzarella or whatever. And then I follow him out of the store, and, you know, he's got, it's in the brown paper bag. It's That's the only thing he got. He pulls one of the bottles of Zima out of the thing or a can or whatever, cracks it open, and just pounds it back. <laughs> and, and I was like, 
this this is like the complete package. This guy is living in a novel yeah. of his own creation. You know, like wow. white suit, not enough. Got to get day drunk on Zima. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did you even at the time? Beautiful. Did you even Beautiful. know that it was Rudolph Giuliani? Like, did you recognize him? <laughs> I I did actually meet Rudolph Giuliani once walking. I was running down Sixth Avenue, uh, in like uh, in the Guitar District of New York that no longer exists, and I was doing the we- the psycho thing. This is such a the psycho thing. I was trying to just get through. So you you walk right alongside the building, you know, and you can pass all the people. And I'm coming around the corner on Sixth Avenue to some s- street, and right in front of me, the is Rudolph Giuliani, who's running for mayor, and they're doing the same thing. They're doing like it's him and his security guard doing the psycho running along the side of the building. And to get around him, I did the thing. I did the shake the hand and then pull him to the side. <laughs> there you go. Like that, which is which is like such a politician thing to do. And I did it to Rudolph Giuliani. It's like, you know, nice, nice, to, nice to meet you, Mr. Giuliani. Like, and now I'm going to carry on. And then you both, and then you both pounded a Zima. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Plug, down the hatch. High fives. <laughs> High fives. Okay, two zero six nine eight four four fun. JJ go at maximumfun.org for your voice memos. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie. And also, Who's That Grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a Policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye! Bye. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about uh, this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, and... Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on Maximum Fun. Dot org or wherever you get your podcasts your podcasts hey gang this is jordan uh, some folks have been asking me if they could get signed or personalized copies of our bubble graphic novel for the holidays uh, so i was able to find a way to make that happen uh, i am partnering with the good folks over at book soup a uh, great local indie here in L.A., to get out signed, personalized copies of the Bubble graphic novel. Uh, they ship anywhere in the world, so no matter where you live, you can get one of these bad boys. You just go to booksoup.com, click on Signed, and uh, I will put whatever you want to in your book. Uh, Jordan Jesse Go inside jokes, Cotton Candy Randy inside jokes, a heartfelt personal message to a 
friend or loved one, uh, anybody you think might uh, like a little sci-fi or comedy in their life for the holidays, um, Bubble's a good choice. Uh, Booksoup.com, click on Signed. Or uh, it's my pinned tweets and it's in my Instagram bio. So uh, if you got a little holiday shopping to do, uh, consider a signed personalized copy of Bubble. All right, back to the show. It's Jordan Jesse Doe. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. And silent John Flansburg. Jordan, you interviewed John for the public radio program Bullseye. <laughs> Yes, I interviewed uh, John and his bandmate, John Linnell, for Bullseye. It was a great thrill. I hope I kept my cool. Um, I, I'm a, you know, basically a lifelong They Might Be Giants fan at this point, and I wanted to do be a Do you mean, Jordan, when you say that, do you job, mean that so death is nigh for you? <laughs> oh, yeah, here it comes. Sweet release, baby. <laughs> the tiger's coming. Yeah, ah! there it is. It's, uh, it's John's it's John's taxidermy weasel tiger. <laughs> and, Jesse's, and Jesse's kid <laughs> here with a scythe. Uh, yeah, and I and I, I was so 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 thrilled to, to to get to talk to you guys for Bullseye, and I'm actually thrilled to get to talk to mm-hmm. you now in this more casual context. Um, so yeah, I hope I didn't seem like a total, just like fawning dork. I didn't want that to be the case. No, you held it together perfectly. Um, but yeah, I it was a lot of fun, and we talked about your new album and art book called Book, which is like both the album and the accompanying book are fucking awesome and people really need to check it out i don't i don't think i can do a good job describing the book that comes with book can can you describe it really quick because it's uh yeah it's kind of a miraculous fantastical thing my my uh my all my taxi driver pitches are kind of just uh fully descriptive it's a it's a 12 by 12 uh hardbound cloth cloth covered book with 144 pages of art photography and lyrics. Uh, the art photography is by this super talented young guy named uh, Brian Carlson, who's a street photographer in Brooklyn, and went to my alma mater, Pratt, actually. And uh, the graphic design is done by Paul Sayre, who is a superstar in the world of graphic design. And he did it all on an IBM Selectric typewriter cool. by hand. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, he actually was alone in a house that he had just purchased, but had not had any furniture put into it. And I had a number of conversations with him over the course of the month that he was typing up the book, uh, where, uh, you know, I wondered if he had a, a little framed portrait of Jack Nicholson in <laughs> Shining sitting next to him. <laughs> Can I recommend something, Jordan? Because I think probably... Yeah, in our listener base, it's primarily going to be uh, girlfriends from uh, CrossFit. Mm-hmm. But there's probably a few college radio hosts out there. Just, I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. There's a few people doing college radio in our audience. Safe guess, yeah. Can I just recommend? They might be giants have a parallel career making all ages music or children's music. So you're, you got your alt rocks legend career. You got your uh, goofy music for kids and their families career. And uh, from my experience, you need to fill some time on your college radio show. 
throw on that song about robots in the future time yeah. children will work together <laughs> robot parade <laughs> yeah robot parade fucking love that shit cyborg <laughs> you eat up two minutes of uh, time on your college radio show no situation where robot parade isn't appropriate drop that in and it's sort of like how you can play love to love you the 12 inch of love to love you by donna summer if you need to go to the bathroom if you just need to get from 58 to 60 on your hour-long show just drop robot parade just fucking throw the mic on the ground and walk the fuck out let the next host come in jesse jesse thorne i've got to ask you a question you know i i did i did some personal research for the show before coming Mm -hmm. on it first of all i gotta say that opening music i remember that from my childhood i can't remember the name of the vocal group that did it but love you by the free design is that what we're talking about yeah the free design free design yeah i found that i found that song creepy when i was a child i find it creepy now it's extraordinary Um, but (laughs) but i have to but i have to ask you you know you know a lot about all sorts of different kinds of music and i and i completely respect that because i'm i'm also have very lowercase c catholic tastes but i have to i have to ask you how do you have the working knowledge of the extended insane clown posse musical universe? <laughs> well, we, I think Jordan and I both read an entire book by Nathan Rabin that was 50% insane clown posse content, 50% fish content. Yeah, Nathan Rabin, a uh, great uh, podcaster and uh, culture critic dude, uh, he, he wrote a book about what he considers to be the two most joked about. Um, you know, tribes in music are insane clown posse fans and fish fans. Right. And I kind of like, kind of sort of like I mentioned with, with Joe Rogan and that, like I realized at a certain point that like insane clown posse was a fun area to joke around in, but I didn't feel like I had enough pulls. Mm -hmm. So um, just being a fan of Nathan's, I'm like, well, this is great. I can read this book by a great writer and also get some pulls, get some ICP pulls. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah, I get. I don't put on ICP music a lot around the house, but like, no, it's very bad to me. To my a, taste, it's, it's very a, bad. <laughs> it's it's a fascinating but, subculture. But the fact that they're they're like their planet is strong enough that they have. There's 20 other bands or like 50 other bands. That yeah. are, that are doing a kind a similar thing that's just as like horrible. And and <laughs> wrong. I mean, it's just it's it, you would think like that that little thread would die right there. You know, like at there is no next insane clown posse. But I guess if you're running a music festival and you got to fill up five days of right. <laughs> so okay, so I just I I was gonna give an example of a of a reference or a pull of the insane clown posse that I have. Probably because I was at least in, at least because I was inspired to look at their videos on YouTube because of Nathan's book. It's a song called Juggalo Island. It's a it's sort of like a fantasy about what if there was an island, a tropical island that only had juggalos and juggalos sure, on it. Sure. Yes. Um, and I so, but I was worried. I remembered. I remember. I was pretty sure it was called Juggalo Island, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure, and I didn't want to say it wrong. We have some juggalos in our audience, not as many as CrossFit people, but uh, some. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to get it wrong and and offend those people. Um, but so I googled Insane Clown Posse Island just to make sure I was not getting the name wrong. This is what people also ask who search for Insane Clown Posse. Island. 
where do juggalos live? That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is what is wrong with juggalos? Um, mm-hmm. That says uh, if you click their the little hearts, arrow to expand it, it right. says tendency for violence against law enforcement, innocent civilians, and other members of their group. Just throwing that out there. Okay. And then uh, the next question it suggests is what happened to John Kick Jazz? I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> he got out of rapping and switched yeah. over to being a DJ and doing shows at clubs around Detroit. If you're wondering. That's from that's from uh the Hatchetpedia, the Juggalo uh the Juggalo wiki. Um so that's what happened to John Kick Jazz. There I mean what's crazy we've talked about this on the show, but what's crazy about the insane clown posse mm-hmm. is you know, the insane clown posse from the perspective of a person who likes rap music and like rappers, their rapping is barely competent. Like their spirit is extraordinary. Their like community that they've built is extraordinary. Their rapping is not strong. And uh, you know, the idea of them is incredible. Like the the makeup and the whole deal. It's like it's all really something else. It's an extraordinary achievement, but they're not good at rapping. But what's interesting is because they have this world, just and and they like know about good rappers. Like there is a world of like insane clown posse rappers who wear face makeup and are like on their record label and stuff. And then just when they do their things, they'll just bring in, you know, the DOC, a legendary gangster rapper. And just all of a sudden the DOC will have like a long career as a guy who knows the insane clown posse. Like gangster rap fans won't buy tickets to the DOC concert, but insane clown posse fans will. And that is kind of amazing and wonderful. Like, that's really great that, like, these, these like, you know, seminal gangster rappers from 1989 Cincinnati or whatever get these careers behind the, behind the ICP. That's kind of awesome. It's a world. Plus, you know, we have a friend who's a professional wrestler who wrestles with them sometimes, so that's fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, John, I do want to back up to Robot Parade for just a second before sure. the end. I know we're wrapping Don't up. Don't want to skip Robot Parade. But Robot Parade is now kind of like a TMBG signature song, right? Like, I feel like I've heard Robot Parade live. There's like a hard rocking version of it, isn't there? The original version we did was not for kids. It was actually, we... Uh, you know, we for a while when we were doing incidental music for Malcolm in the Middle, at the these sessions were like really, really long, and uh, you know we would be in with the band working for you know eight hours or something like that, and at the end of it, we would just kind of goof off and just just make stuff up, and we had the vocal going through the effect that's on the record, the really crazy mm-hmm. sort of like it's an octave. It's a fifth below and and like a fourth above or whatever. So it's just making this crazy chord of everything that I'm singing. And everybody was listening to that. So the robot sound was informing everybody's mania. And uh, <laughs> that 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 turned into this super, you know, we our guitar player has the ability to shred. And, uh, you know, Dan Miller can actually do that stuff that, yeah. you know, you know, there is no place for it in 
anywhere in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's like, so uh, the fact that he, just finding him a vehicle where it was safe to be himself and and share his inner shredding person was, yeah. that you, was You that helped was him join the robot parade. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Beautiful. So it was, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the same way, you know, it's like, a, it's a fellowship, you know. I fucking like, love, uh, in, John, I love like robot Clown, parades Clown so fucking much. Yeah. Fucking oh, well, love that so shit. So <laughs> here, two, two, two little instructions for our listeners moving forward. Yeah. Check out the various versions of Robot Parade, the one for kids and the one that has shredding on it. Yep. Yes. Both, both very good. Yeah. Um, and check out the album book and the accompanying book. Both are totally awesome. I've had the album on uh, basically since I've got it. And uh, yeah, it's just been brought me a lot of joy. It's a terrific album. And They Might Be Giants is one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, I would also say ask around at CrossFit. Just see what podcast people are listening to just in case. Just in case. Put, one, put it on. Ter- you listen, I know people. What are you, what are you working out to at CrossFit? Probably Lizzo. Probably Lizzo's yeah. on the CrossFit playlist. Mostly Lizzo. Um, yeah, Machine Gun Kelly probably MGK, on there. Throw on Jordan MGK. Jesse Go. Mix Jordan Jesse Go yeah, in there. Get- if you have a DJ or CrossFit, have them do a blend. You know, throw a classic, yeah. throw a classic beat underneath it. You know, grinding or something like that. Yeah, if you can, please, someone, if someone can send us a video of people flipping tires while this show plays <laughs> in the background, <laughs> Brian will send you a T-shirt. <laughs> Well, John, what a, what an honor it's been to have you on the program. Thank you for taking the time. Um, John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants, their brand new album and book is called Book. Uh, they're headed out around the world right this very moment, basically, um, to entertain you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. It's like being inside my my podcast uh, extended universe. <laughs> it's been more fun than... Uh... Listening to a Criterion commentary track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> that's that's the funnest thing of all. We look forward to continuing to talk to you every four and a half years through the rest of our career, <laughs> as we have done since we were 19 or whatever. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Uh, Jordan Jesse Go, produced by Brian Sunny D. Fernandez. Valerie Moffat is on the live stream today. Um, we have theme music, uh, that is deeply upsetting to John Flansburg. It's called love you by the free design, courtesy of the free design and light in the attic records. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris at Jesse Thorne. You can find us on Facebook, uh, at Jordan David Morris and at put dot this dot on hashtag your tweets hashtag jj go you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash jordan jesse go and look that's enough different shit oh reddit maximumfun.reddit.com yeah okay that's all we love you goodbye good night uh jordan jesse go flip a tire maximumfun.org comedy and culture Artist owned, audience supported.